Hello there. How do you do, fellow weird kids? And a very pleasant good day to you wherever you may be. Welcome to the second episode of the Atomic Skull Podcast, which, wow, I never thought that I would make it this far. There was a part of me that thought after the first episode my shitty-ass self-esteem would take over, and I would just say screw it and not come back to it. But I am glad that I am here. I am very glad that you are here. My name is Matthew. Uh, Mr. Matthew, if you're nasty. <laughs> and as I say that, I just realized my grandmother would call me Mr. Matthew when I was a kid and she was mad at me, which I think I'm going to emotionally shelve that and come back to it. Um, never. Up front, I want to say thank you to everybody for all of the incredible support and feedback that I've gotten from the first episode. People that I haven't talked to in forever that I thought forgot about me decades ago have been reaching out just to say these really wonderful things. It's been great. To answer the question that I've gotten most often about the episode last week, I did in fact burn my nipple and it was in fact awful. Zero out of 10, I would not recommend. The most surprising thing that I've heard, which I've actually heard a few times, is that I have a soothing voice. What the actual fuck? Honey's Morgan Freeman has a soothing voice. Bob Ross has a soothing voice. I might be the world's most lispy straight man. One thing I did want to address from last week's episode is I want to apologize for mentioning Quentin Tarantino and not making one single foot fetish joke. I feel like I've let you down. I feel like I've let myself down. I have hardly been able to look in the mirror for the last week. The one thing that I don't want to do is malign anyone for their fetishes. I am 100% all for whatever gets you wherever it is you need to go. I think my favorite thing about Tarantino is that he unapologetically puts his foot fetish right on front street in every one of his movies. He doesn't give two flying shits. He's turned it into such a trademark. It makes me wonder about other directors. Maybe they're like weird ass, unique, defining characteristics as filmmakers are actually fetishes. So think about it. J.J. Abrams has used lens flares so goddamn always that he's actually publicly apologized for it as if he was caught fucking his neighbor's cat or something. I mean, I guess I don't want to like directly compare the overuse of lens flares in Star Trek reboots to bestiality, but there were over 1,500 of them in those two movies that Abrams directed, and all I'm saying is those lens flares and bestiality are equally unsettling to watch. A quick little behind-the-scenes note for you. I had to look up the word bestiality to make sure that I spelled it right for my notes, which is a double-edged sword. On one hand, I'm kind of glad that I wasn't 100% sure on how to spell bestiality, but on the other hand, I think I definitely gave my Google algorithm something to think about, so I'll let you know how that develops a little down the line. All right, back to director fetishes. You got Tarantino turned on by feet. You got J.J. Abrams getting all hot and bothered over lens flares. I can absolutely see Wes Anderson beating it over any kind of monochrome. 
Yeah. Oh God, my entire phone booth is yellow. I love Wes Anderson so much, but he is such a weird motherfucker. He is probably the only person in Hollywood that can jerk it while on a unicycle. At this point, he probably can't even finish without looking at porn through a pair of binoculars. And don't even get me started on Tim Burton and Stripes. Jesus Christ. I hope the costume supervisor on every Tim Burton movie is on some sort of tropical island right now, drinking something with an umbrella in it while getting oiled up by the person of their choice, and and they're feeding him grapes and fanning him with like palm fronds and shit, because no one on this planet deserves a vacation more than that poor, poor soul. Now, the one director's fetish that I completely understand and might even share is Christopher Nolan's use of Michael Caine. Now that I can get behind, no pun. All right, let's talk about Michael Bay for just a minute. Surprisingly, I'm not gonna throw a lot of shade here. Somebody has to do it. Someone has to be the one who consistently makes mediocre mayo on white bread, blend in with the furniture, testosterone-filled, homosexually undertone, 94-minute Coca-Cola commercials. I want to make a joke about how Michael Bay's fetish is helicopters flying towards or away from a sunset while generic rock music played in the background, but then I remember one of those shitty Transformer movies that he directed. There was this entire plot point about justifying statutory rape using the Romeo and Juliet law, which... I ain't touching that one with a 10-foot pole. All right, let's move on because not to go full Captain America with it out here, but like I, the whole director fetish thing, I could do this all day. I haven't even gotten to Lars von Trier, which ooh, ain't nobody got time for that. You know, I wonder if like actresses who go audition for Tarantino, do they just show up to the audition wearing sandals? Like Jennifer Lawrence, who I refer to as my future ex-wife. Jennifer, if you're listening to this, please lift the restraining order and call me. I know Jennifer Lawrence has auditioned for Tarantino a few times. I can just picture her sitting in her car in front of his house or wherever the hell you know you audition, like Cameron in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Just like, he's just going to keep hounding me and hounding me and hounding me until I take my fucking shoes off. You know what? I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, I'll just go in barefoot. So, really quick, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger turned 75 years old this last week, which, according to my notes, he is not allowed to do. It is insane to think of him turning 75 years old. For all you younger folks out there, you don't realize in the late 80s and in most of the 90s, you weren't allowed to have an action movie without him in it, or at least comedically referencing the fact that he wasn't in it. And he's actually got a lot of great flicks. When he was in his prime, he could do it all. The Running Man, Predator, Total Recall, Twins, and Kindergarten Cop all came out within three years of each other. That is insane. Those are all classics. That list alone has action, sci-fi, dystopian shit, and legit comedy. He did True Lies in 94 and Jingle All the Way in like 95 or 96. True Lies is one of the best action movies of all time. And Jingle All the Way is actually kind of a Christmas classic at this point. What's funny to me 
is that he's mostly known for Terminator and Conan, two roles completely devoid of talking, emotion, personality, and nuance. So maybe he wasn't always the greatest actor, but he is a hell of a movie star. Uh, he's such a movie star that he accidentally became the governor of California. That was a wild time. So I want to talk about a bar that I've gone to a couple of times called Twin Peaks. If you've never been to a Twin Peaks or never heard of it, you've definitely at least heard of a place like it. They've got the sign out in front that says, we have beer colder than your ex's heart, which I don't know if that's possible, but the beer is delicious. The cocktails are a solid fine. The food is as bland as a Michael Bay movie, but all the servers are scantily clad, booty shorts wearing, push-up bra rocking ladies who hate their dad and are most definitely working their way through college. There are like 600 TVs all playing different versions of the sports, but nobody's really watching them because, you know, hot girls. So I have one of these bars right next to my work, and I wanted to go for a long time because, again, hot girls. I'm not made of steel. The first time I went, was a couple of months back and this is the best story ever i went with my mother-in-law believe it or not so here's what happened i love my mother-in-law very much because i am contractually obligated to but i also happen to genuinely like my mother-in-law shout out to you cj i love you my mother-in-law is one of the very few people i have ever met who knows the name of the other guy in wham which really quick hot take for all the music nerds out there I feel like Andrew Ridgely, Dave England, Art Garfunkel, and Meg White should get together and form whatever the opposite of a supergroup is. Anyway, so I invited my mother-in-law to get a beer with me after work, and she suggests that we meet at Twin Peaks because it's right next to my work, and she knows I've been wanting to go. And I'm like, oh shit, son, that's a pretty badass mother-in-law right there. So I'm getting ready to leave work, looking forward to a cold beer and hot eye candy, And she texts me and tells me she already nabbed us a table. Very sweet of her. She says she's all the way on the left side of the restaurant. Fantastic. So I head over and so try to picture it. This bitch is sitting at a four-top table in the corner of the restaurant with her back towards the wall facing the entire restaurant, which the social contract has now kicked in. And my only option is to sit facing her with my back towards the entire restaurant so i can't look at any of those hot servers without completely turning around like a total fucking pervert to obnoxiously stare in front of my mother-in-law mind you and i can't just ask her to switch seats with me so i can stare at the servers i'm married to her fucking daughter and don't get me wrong we had a blast catching up she paid for my beer it was a great time But that is how the story of how my mother-in-law successfully executed the single best cock block I've ever experienced. All right. So I went back again after work earlier this week and got a beer with a good friend of mine. And I want to break down a few thoughts that I have about the whole dynamic of this place because I thought it was super interesting. First, let's talk about the dudes who are coming in getting drunk, and getting all super handsy with the servers, okay? I don't think I saw one girl that didn't have at least one of the guys 
at one of their tables putting his arm around her or leaning in to whisper something into her ear, which, by the way, you never need to do to anyone in customer service ever. They were calling her honey or babe or suggesting that he could be her boyfriend or some shit like that. As someone who was primarily raised by women, it was fucking disgusting to watch. It was a restaurant full of Harvey Weinsteins giving these poor girls the creeps. I would be terrified to ask one of them how many phone numbers they get on receipts. And the thing is, these dudes in the back of their mind are actually thinking, yo, she's laughing at my joke. She's letting me put my arm around her. She's talking to me. She's eating this up. I could totally get her. Oh my God. Absolutely not. There may be such a thing as too much confidence, fellas, okay, on the extremely off chance that anyone who goes into one of these places expecting to get it is listening to this. Let me, Well, first, let me say thank you for listening. I truly appreciate each and every person who listens to this podcast. But let me burst that motherfucking bubble for you really quick, okay? Dude, you are balding. You have a ketchup stain on your Let's Go Brandon shirt. You are rocking the third worst handlebar mustache I have ever seen. The amount of daddy issues that girl would need to have to leave this building with you for any reason would be astronaut. Her dad would have to have shot himself in front of her on her birthday for her to actually have any interest in letting you inside of her body. This girl, your server, who's being just a little bit overly friendly to you, is working you for tips. You aren't even an identity to her. You are a walking dollar sign. You are a credit card with ball hair. It's true, they don't have a lot of clothes on. That's their business model. Enjoy the view. Just because you can see it doesn't mean you can touch it. Sneak a peek, tip 25%, enjoy the classic rock music, and move on with your fucking life. Now, the award for the world's worst dude in that entire bar was the guy who brought his three-year-old daughter with him. Think about the idea of that. He had to get himself ready, get her ready. He had to put her in the car, drive over there, and there had to be a bunch of stop signs and stoplights and shit on the way. He had to park, take her out of the car, walk into the building, ask the hostess for a table, all while thinking, yeah, this is a good idea. Some dads like to get a head start on college funds. Some dads like to get a head start on therapy. I will admit, there was one guy in there that was doing it right, and he came in and sat at the table next to me. My man brought in a French bulldog puppy in a little carrier and sat him down on the seat next to him. Total pussy magnet. This dude got his beer and this little good boy started licking the condensation off the side of the glass. Dude was a pro. He knew exactly what he was doing. The thing with having a dog like that, though, is you need a good line of bullshit to follow that up. I left just after he got there. But for that idea alone, that dude is an American hero. So I have a quick question while I'm thinking about it. This is even in my notes. How easy do you think Casey Anthony can get it? I can't even fathom where she lands on the crazy hot scale. I don't care if she was found guilty. She absolutely murdered her daughter. But do you think that that would honestly dissuade your average drunk man 20 minutes before last call? Men will fuck a McChicken. 
I have no idea. I'm kind of 50-50. Atomic Skull Podcast at gmail.com. Let me know. So some sad, unexpected news this week. Pete Davidson and Kim Kardashian broke up. I know. I am so shocked. I can't even begin to tell you how utterly shocked I am. How shocking. I actually thought they were kind of a good couple, though. I've yet to meet a straight female under the age of 26 that wouldn't fuck the shit out of Pete Davidson. He is a walking, talking, surefire way to piss off your parents and kind of the ultimate rebound, if you think about it. I don't know a hell of a lot about Pete and Kim's dynamic, but my guess is that he spent 10 solid months snorting one long line of coke off of her dump truck of an ass and then got the hell out of her life before Kanye paid a private Russian militia to launch a fucking airstrike on him. All right, let's do uh, best and worst of the week because I am super excited to dive into both of them. For best of the week, oh man, two words, Alex fucking Jones. Look, I don't wish ill will on anyone. But karma is sticking it in and breaking it off into this piece of shit, and I am here for it. I've never really paid him a lot of mind, because from the second I saw InfoWars, I knew he was just doing shtick. His whole existence is a bit that's used to sell, I don't even fucking know what, some sort of nutritional supplement pills with alien piss, eye of Newton, plutonium in them. I don't even care. The part that got dangerous is when he started believing his own bullshit. And what he was doing went from unintentional comedy to like, I mean, pure danger, which is what happens when you think you can say anything without consequences. I was biding my time because I knew that karma was coming for him. And very rarely does karma hit harder than I hope it will. But in this case, it has done its job so beautifully that I might actually become a Buddhist. Watching that self-righteous piece of shit coughing, sweating, and perjuring his way to owing $50 million to parents who deserve every penny that I hope they get was so good it should have been fattening. More importantly, how do you as a lawyer sleep at night? knowing that you submitted texts to opposing counsel that your client swore under oath didn't exist. That is some straight up Keystone Cops level bullshit. And I can't wait to read everything that was on his phone. If there is a petition I can sign or a GoFundMe that I can donate to, please let me know because I will sell a fucking kidney to get access to that shit. Meanwhile, This is just a little reminder to you guys that this turd has a wife who probably gave him the world's saddest consolation hand job the night he realized he was going to be broke for hopefully the rest of his life. I wonder if he coughed during that too. Uh, This story is definitely not over and I can't wait to see what happens next because this is going to be the opposite of whatever a comeback story is. Now for the worst of the week, here is my question. What the fuck is going on at Warner Brothers? They completely pulled the Batgirl movie from release after production was finished. They spent $90 million on it. And instead of even getting back a little bit, they're choosing to get nothing back. 
Now, I'm not an economics major, but that seems like a terrible investment. I don't know what's worse, Batgirl never going to the theaters at all or Morbius going to the theaters twice. And then, content-wise, HBO Max is a monster, and they managed to somehow completely fuck that up. Their stock is going down faster than Dumbledore at a wizard white party, and company jobs are getting sliced up like the Stark family at the Red Wedding. I admit that I have zero specific experience within the field, but I would like to formally submit my name to Warner Brothers to head the DC Comics movie division, all right? I don't know that I could do better than what is going on right now, but I sure as shit couldn't do any worse. And right here for you guys, I would like to debut my five-point plan to resurrect this powerhouse saga of characters and stories that has been buried into the fucking pavement. Point one. Bitch slap Ezra Miller into oblivion. Literally, hire someone to spend the next 18 continuous months covering their hands in baby powder and smacking the shit out of that child-grooming, body-armor-wearing, wannabe cult leader until he ends up a sobbing mess in a psych ward somewhere in Eastern Europe. Full comprehensive medical benefits and a competitive 401k match of up to 4%. Point two, we retool the upcoming Aquaman sequel. Here's how it works. The entire previous production gets put on hold in favor of reshoots. Here's my elevator pitch for the plot. We put Jason Momoa on screen without a shirt on and have someone on set, possibly me, continuously pour water on him and film it dripping down his body, alternating between macro and medium wide shots. We slow-mo the video in post-production and boom, you have a hit Aquaman sequel. If, for some reason, the movie grosses under $400 million, in the third movie, you do the exact same thing, but while the water is dripping down, have him play guitar. Point three. We don't film Henry Cavill in a Superman movie. We film Henry Cavill in a Superman outfit doing his Superman workout routine. He doesn't need to talk. He doesn't need to smile. I actually kind of like it better when he doesn't smile. He doesn't need to do anything. I just want to see him in a gym with a cape sweating. Point four, we leave Matt Reeves alone and let him do his thing with Batman. The first movie was great. The only note that I would have for him is 30 solid minutes in the second act of Zoe Kravitz kicking ass. Point five, you got to spend money to make money, all right? We stipend out $50 million to motivate nerds to watch good musicals so they realize the new Joker movie can be badass and dark and have a few musical numbers in it. Lady Gaga is incredibly casted as Harley Quinn for that story. And if the move, the first movie is about a psych patient as a failed stand-up comic, the second movie can be about a psych doctor who's a failed Broadway singer. There is so much potential with that. And Lady Gaga goes all the way with everything she does. I know 50 million might seem like a lot of money, but trust me, after those Aquaman movies, we're going to be printing cash. So that is my five-point plan for the future of DC movies. And if there's any of the uh, right executives tuning in, AtomicSkullPodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, you guys. Thank you for listening. I think I broke down everything from this last week that I wanted to get to. 
I know that I have been annoying the absolute shit out of everyone talking about this thing ad nauseum. If you haven't gotten tired of hearing about it yet, I promise you will. Total. I'm a total whore. I apologize for being a total whore. I get that from my mother. So follow me on Instagram. Uh, love you, mom. Follow me on Instagram. <laughs> Uh, Atom- at Atomic Skull Podcast. I am working on a website right now. I have a lot of life that I happen to be living, so I'm going to get to the website as soon as I get to the website. It is going to be very basic. It is not going to part your hair with awesomeness, but it is going to exist, and that is going to mean something. Uh, one One favor that I want to ask for each of you guys. Again, I appreciate so much that you are listening. Please, please, please tell one friend about the show. Find find someone who, you know, is a nerd, doesn't get offended easily, bitches about movies. Invite them to listen. Tell them, you know, I am a fellow nerd. I would love for other people to listen and talk to me about stuff. Reach out to me. And I'm having such a great time doing these. I'm really hoping that the people who are listening will also have a great time with me. I'm I'm looking for warm bodies. I'm looking for people. I'm looking for people that'll love it as much as I do. So for the song of the week, before I get out of here, it is the sweaty ass middle of summer, and I am fucking tired of it. But I want to celebrate one of my all time favorite summer songs which is Your Lips by Oludara. Now, if you are a fan of Nas, if you like Nas, Illmatic, not only one of the greatest hip-hop albums of all time, but just one of the greatest albums of all time, if you are a fan of Esco, this is his dad. No bullshit. Look it up. That's all I got, you guys. I will see you next week. How are you doing? <laughs>